the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H dot com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, I'll be joined by Dr. Corey Miller and Ross Anderson. We'll discuss engaging Mormons with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stick around for a very important and insightful broadcast here on The Plumb Line. You can reach me anytime to share your thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast at Radio at gmail.com, Radio at gmail.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Support for The Plumb Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plumb Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plumb Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm looking forward to discussing Mormonism. I've covered that on previous editions of The Plumb Line, but we're going to talk about it in this uh, edition of The Plumb Line from the vantage point of really being able to engage and converse with those who are of the Mormon faith effectively. And, of course, we're kind of under the assumption that the majority of people who tune into the plumb line are followers of Jesus Christ, and they're wanting to grow in their faith, and so they like to hear about all, all the different topics and issues that we cover from a biblical worldview uh, here on the plumb line. But uh, if you're one who's tuning in, maybe you saw it was going to be on Mormonism, and you are a Mormon, uh, we want to have you stick around here and just listen to what we have to share. But our focus will particularly be on engaging with those who are are Mormons from a Christian perspective and a biblical worldview. And my guests are, we could say, experts in this because both were raised as Mormons. Dr. Corey Miller, who's been on the show a couple of times before, he is the director of Ratio Christi, president and CEO of Ratio Christi. You can find out about them at ratiochristi.org. I should probably spell that R A T I O and then C H R I S T I. .org. And the other guest is Ross Anderson. And Ross, as I said, former Mormon. He is the teaching pastor currently of Alpine Church in the uh, Salt Lake City area, north of Salt Lake City. And so welcome to both of you. Thanks for coming on the Plumb Line. Thanks for having me. 
I'm looking forward to discussing this. Well, you've both written a variety of books, but we want to focus specifically on one that is related to Mormonism and both of your backgrounds, and also a number of other former Mormons who are featured in the book. It's called Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message, Confident Conversations with Mormon Missionaries and Other Latter-day Saints. And I want to start to really basic with uh, whichever one of the two of you want to address uh, a little bit about uh, Mormonism and your interest introduction to the book, you kind of explain this, because there are a lot of uh, people all around the world who are under the assumption that uh, the Mormon Church is just another Christian denomination or branch of Christianity. I think there's a lot of Christians that feel that way, too. And so we probably need to start there and explain that's not the case, is it? Well, not at all. Superficially, it looks much the same. They use much the same terminology, because they do use biblical and spiritual terminology. But the underlying worldview of Mormonism and what God is like, what human beings are like, and what it means to be right with God and to be saved eternally is tremendously different. Hmm. And yet, if you were to go to a Mormon, from what I understand, a lot of them also think that they are Christians, don't they? They would identify as Christians, yeah. Hmm. And so talk with us a little bit about why that is and why so many people view them as Christians. There are enough similarities, I suppose, that make them think that and makes others think that. I think they're kind of a chameleon in a sense. They do a great marketing job, and they used to say that we are not Christians. They wanted a unique identity. But now, as they've been mainstreaming over the last 50 years or so, That's their messaging to the general public, at least initially, until you get to the first missionary discussion, which is what our book is about. So, yes, they do tell people that they're Christians. They tell people that their formal name is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. They use Christian language in every way almost imaginable on key doctrines, but what they mean by it is something entirely different. Yes, yeah. That's what we're going to find out as we go through this here, is that, you know, you can be talking about Jesus with someone from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you're sitting there, and it seems like they're agreeing with everything you're saying, but, yeah, the language and terminology and things mean a different thing to them. And so we'll break that down as we move through this here. But let's go ahead and kind of just uh, tackle this book that you guys have written together, chapter by chapter, and I encourage people to pick up a copy. I'm sure it's available at Amazon and uh, all the other places where you can get books. Is there a specific website? Actually, I know there is because I had gone to it. What's the website where yeah. people can find more info? MormonMissionaryMessage.com. Right. Three M's. Okay. MormonMissionaryMessage.com. <laughs> all right. MormonMissionaryMessage.com. We'll send people there and you can pick up a copy of this book. But uh, let's start to dig in here with uh, Chapter 1, which, uh, Ross, you have written. It's called Clued into Culture, Engaging Mormons with Discernment. And it's a good place to start here, because if our goal is to engage them, we need to have a, a lot of discernment. We need a lot of discernment for everything, and that's kind of why the plumb line exists, is to help us to be discerning by using the Word of God. And so I imagine that's kind of the case here. Just talk with us a little bit about what you mean by this. Yeah, so just a broader for a moment, to do the introductory chapters, we wanted to try to set up what are the most important things that aren't necessarily in the doctrine of Mormonism or the message of the Mormon missionaries per se, but what are the most important factors that a person interacting with Mormonism needs to understand or with the missionaries? And so came with this chapter on culture and Corey's chapter, which we'll talk about in a moment on 
authority and epistemology. And then we have a guy who wrote a chapter on the Mormon missionary experience. So when I talk about culture, culture is simply the a shorthand for the way that people do things and think about things. It's what we all have inherited through our upbringing and through the uh, place where we live and so forth. Mormonism is a unique culture. It's not just a thing that people believe. It's not just a belief system, but it's an actual identity that defines how people think about reality, how they see the world. Culture answers questions like, how do I know what's true? Who has a, a credible, authoritative voice in my life? Um, how do I make spiritual decisions? All those things are really dictated much by culture. And so if we understand the LDS culture, that keeps us from maybe stepping in some landmines in our communication with them. Mm. And explain a little bit about how the Mormon culture then is is different. Well, for example, in many ways it's similar. It's just a subculture of American culture and whatever that means. There's a particular, for example, Mormons, they have a sense of being persecuted. They were persecuted in their early years of Mormonism. And um, so they've cultivated that sense of persecuted identity. And so if I come across to the, my Mormon neighbor, my friend, or the missionary with a sense of like being aggressive, or they feel like they're being attacked in their faith, if I'm you know too focused in that way, then they might feel persecuted. They might assume that they're being persecuted, and then up go the walls. The conversation will end, and perhaps the relationship will end. So that's one illustration of how the Mormon culture plays into our conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And I assume there has to be a certain sense of arrogance there, because if you truly believe, you know, the Mormon church maybe isn't as strong in this regard as they used to be, as, you know, being they are the only church. And of course, a lot of churches have that situation. We are the only church, and you got to believe exactly what we believe. But there are also this fact here, and I'm looking at the introduction here, where it says the LDS Church views human beings as literal spirit children of God the Father who have the potential to become gods themselves one day. It seems to me there's a bit of arrogance built has to be built into that. Yeah, there's a certain amount of confidence to say. The missionaries often come across as arrogant. The average Mormon person may or may not. But yeah, there's a sense of we're special, special people. They do still uphold the idea of one true church. It's just, as Corey mentioned, they do a lot of marketing. They're, they're savvy about that. And so they don't run that at the flagpole as much as, as they have in the past. Although, as we'll see in the missionary lessons, that will be an earmark of the message they have for us. Mm, yeah. And I guess we probably should also point out that when we talked about at the beginning, the you know understanding of what we mean by even basic things like who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, because they subscribe to these three persons, but their understanding or their teaching about the three is considerably different. And so we probably should really point that out right at the get-go here from one of you, if you would. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to do simply by using an illustration I call the mom illustration. <laughs> I say to the missionary, do you have a mom? Yes. Well, can you spell that? Uh, they laugh a little bit and they say M-O-M. And I say, can you spell it backwards? M-O-M. I said, oh my gosh, that's how I spell my mom's name. I wonder if we have the same mom. <laughs> so simply because we spell it G-O-D or Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, or all of the various terms, born again, baptism, trinity, godhead, doesn't mean that we have the exact same meaning. 
And so when it comes to the Mormon identity of God, the Mormon concept of God is as far away as you can get from the biblical conception of God. I mean, the Mormon concept of God has more in common with the listening device the listener is listening to right now than it does with with the biblical conception of God, because the Mormon God is finite, just like the listening device is finite. He is not everywhere present. He's confined to a corporeal body. He is not all-knowing. He's forever growing in knowledge. He is not all-powerful. And in fact, there are many gods, many uh, fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfather gods ahead of him ad infinitum. The only thing perhaps he has in common is morality, but that's something that is not co-eternal with God in that he's essentially good. He was a being like we were, like we are, and we have the opportunity to become a being like he is. And he could have conceivably made mistakes and therefore not gotten finally exalted like we have the same opportunity to do. So it's not the same concept of God. It's not the same concept of Jesus. It's not another testament of Jesus Christ, as the Book of Mormon says. It's a testament of another Jesus Christ. And we can do the same thing by uh, the mom illustration there, and the same thing with the gospel. It's not the same Christian gospel. Yeah, amen. Well, my guests here are Ross Anderson, Dr. Corey Miller, and we're talking about uh, Mormonism, specifically a book that they have co-written and involves some others who have left the Mormon faith as well that are part of this uh, book, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. We're going to continue this discussion here on the Plumb Line, so stay with me. Lots more to come over a couple of parts to this broadcast on the Plumb Line. And you can reach me anytime to share your thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast at this email address, theplumblineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Don't forget the B at the end of it. Radio at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Thanks for tuning in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I'm joined by Dr. Corey Miller and by Ross Anderson. And both of them are, I won't go through everything that they're involved in here because I would take up the rest of the broadcast here. They have a lot of titles and a lot of different things that they're involved with, but we're focused on Mormonism from a biblical worldview, and both of them are former Mormons. And so I was sitting here thinking, boy, people probably would like to know how each of you came out of Mormonism because that would certainly relate to what we're trying to accomplish here, which is engaging Mormons with the true gospel of Jesus Christ and helping them to see that truth gospel rather than uh, the falsehoods, the myths that they have been subscribing to. And I'm sure when each of you were engaged in Mormonism, you obviously thought that that was the truth, that was real, uh, or you wouldn't have been in it. And so talk with us a little bit about how God brought you to the point of saving faith, whichever one wants to start here. 
Ross, go ahead. Well, I was raised in an active LDS home, large family, typical Mormon family back in the day, born in Salt Lake City, but I was raised in Southern California where Mormonism is much the same, but uh, culturally it's a little bit different. So when I was a senior in high school, my older brothers had served their LDS missions and I was next. So that became a factor in me evaluating, do I own this? Do I believe this enough? And around that time, I started dating a girl who was questioning Mormonism. So I had her seeing missionaries, and she had me reading historical truths about Mormonism that I had never seen before. And so it opened up a process of evaluation and study and trying to figure it out. I decided to leave Mormonism after a year of that process. And a year and a half later is when I actually encountered Jesus at a church. A friend of mine invited me to church. The pastor was talking about productive, fruitful life that the Word of God creates in someone, 30, 60, 100-fold uh, fruit. And I could see that in light of that, my own life was, was empty and meaningless. And at the night, I, I surrendered to, to, to Jesus and invited Him to come in and change my life in that way. Mm, fantastic. Well, before I move on to Corey's testimony here, I was curious. So you mentioned about being an LDS missionary, essentially. Is that part of the process to become a son of God, basically? Is that kind of how they see the process of becoming like little gods yourself? Well, it's not required necessarily, but it certainly is a mark of a distinction, and it certainly is expected in the culture for you to uh, fulfill your calling it's possible to make it to the final, uh, to what the Mormons call the celestial kingdom without ever having served a mission. But to succeed in the Mormon culture and to be worthy in every possible way, a mission is a big part of that, yeah. Mm, okay. Well, Corey, share your story with us. Sure. There are two kinds of Mormons. There are birth Mormons and there are Mormon converts. And Ross and I both were born into Mormonism, and I was a seventh-generation Mormon. My ancestry goes back to Joseph Smith's days when one of them was a bodyguard of Joseph Smith, and his father was part of the first-ever splinter group. So hmm. kind of interesting history there. I didn't know any of that, however, growing up. I just knew that I was born as a Mormon, and that's what I knew, and that's what I believed. But it wasn't mere tradition for me because— I believed it. I carried out all the typical duties of Mormon kids when you're in the Boy Scouts and when you're going to Sunday school and you get the CRT, I'm sorry, CRT, something in our culture, CTR ring, <laughs> you know, and you're supposed to be baptized at age eight. I delayed my own baptism at age eight, even though you're supposed to, because I was told at the time that when you're baptized, that washes your slate clean. And I knew that to go to celestial glory, I needed to have a clean slate. So what was going to happen after my baptism is that I was probably going to sin and I was going to have problems. So in my mind as a child, I reasoned that if I waited till I was 88, I might beat the system and get baptized on my deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> but having lived in fear for a year, thinking, well, what happens if I get hit by a semi-truck before that? Uh, so I capitulated. I got baptized at nine. It was when I was finally in my mid-high school time that I was invited to a non-denominational Christian camp in California by a friend. That's not why I was going. He said we could spend the entire summer at the beach as long as we went for one week to this camp and his dad would pay for it. And I thought, okay, that's a fair deal. I'm not looking to change my religion or anything like that. But when I got there, I heard about hell 
a, a robust understanding of hell, a biblical view of hell, and the gospel for the first time ever, and it really resonated with me. It rocked my world. I came to Christ for the first time ever and moved back, you know, at, at the end of the summer, packed my bags, moved to California for my junior year of high school for greater exposure to this. My mother I was living in a broken home at the time. She permitted it. And I was discipled there. In my senior year, I came back to graduating Utah from high school. And that's when my extended family and friends and culture began putting on the pressure that, you know, if I knew the truth and I left it, perhaps I, I have a bad eternity in front of me. <laughs> and maybe I need to reread the Book of Mormon for the sake of truth and not just tradition this time. And, and I said, yeah, I better do that. And I did. And that's when I started finding problems with it and uh, started to question, you know, not only being grateful that I'd left Mormonism now, but I started wondering, well, what about the Bible? I was always taught that that was uh, full of holes. How do I now believe it? How can I rest on that? How can I have confidence in it? Uh, what if there's no God? And, and if so, which, which God? And that sent me into the trajectory of philosophy and comparative religions and that's where I'm at today. Ended up becoming a philosophy professor and now leading this ministry that I'm doing today. Mm, awesome. I was thinking, too, since both of you grew up uh, in this and were, as you said, multi-generations uh, families in this, the aspect of polygamy was there, I think, from what I understand, uh, from both of you and your families. And when you get old enough to kind of understand that and you look back at that, it seems like that would cause a real dilemma in a child's mind as you got you know old enough and mature enough to understand that in that background. Was that part of your case for each of you, too? Well, polygamy was not so much a part of my uh, my background, my rearing. It was present, but it, I don't know. For growing up in the LDS Church, and it, there's a certain mental indoctrination and a normalization that takes place. It's my people and all the rest. You know, it, it becomes pretty easy to go, "Oh, well, if God said it, then it must have been. There must have been a reason." You know, yeah, so I, to accept the authority of the system. That's right. I would concur with Ross. I, I do have polygamy with my family background, uh, and it's different now looking at it from a Christian. But as a Mormon, yeah, you don't you don't question it, even if you don't practice it today within the main body of Mormon sects, the Salt Lake Church, the Brighamites, because there has been a ban, a piece of revelation by Heavenly Father given, and so it's at least temporarily banned. But you don't you don't really take a second guesses about that and think that that's in any way immoral. It was a revelation that God had given to the authorities at the time. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of not just polygamy, but anything, basically. That's how, especially as a child growing up in this, you were convinced that this is what the Scripture said, that, you know, that it was okay, regardless, you know, whether it was polygamy or anything. That's basically right. what happens. Hmm. Well, to respect your authorities. Yeah, which gets right to chapter number two, which Corey wrote here. And I think we have time to get into this a little bit here, and then we're going to have to wrap up this first of two parts on this subject here. But, yeah, it's dealing with uh, authority. And I guess, in reality, it's no different than the follower of Jesus Christ. We're taught that the Scriptures are our authority. But when Mormons teach this, it's more than just the Word of God being the authority. It's all the other documents that they believe, too. Yeah, for the Mormon, authority is everything. You have various levels of authority. Well, you have the prophets, the founding prophet, Joseph Smith, of course, but then you have the living prophet, and that's the one you're going to kind of go with. You have the scriptures, and that is, you know, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and the King James Bible, as far as it's translated correctly, which we know what that implies. And then you have the testimony. And for the average Mormon, 
I think that's really the epistemic buck stopper is I have a burning in my bosom. I have an ecstatic experience that I know the Heavenly Father loves me. Jesus is my Savior. Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. The Book of Mormon is the Word of God. And that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the one true church. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've got a feeling. That's not what they would say at the end, but that's what it kind of amounts to. And that's why for the average Christian to encounter a Mormon and think that they've got this great logical argument, and it's like throwing socks on a Teflon wall or whatever, nothing sticks. It's because this testimony is so powerful. It's viewed as so authoritative to the average Mormon. It's personal revelation that unless you address that sometime early on, as an essential of dialogue, not an essential doctrine, you're never going to get to score a home run very often. Mm, yeah, and we're going to pick up right from that point here because there's a great part of this book here that I was just kind of scanning through, deep dive into the Mormon testimony, where we'll talk more about this Mormon testimony and how we engage a Mormon, coming at it kind of from that vantage point, that's what they've been taught, their understanding, even things like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit that we talked about earlier in the broadcast, and their understanding of that and what we mean as we are speaking these things and sharing the gospel is is just so completely different. And so we'll get into all of that, Lord willing, coming up here on the next edition of The Plumb Line, and I hope you will join me for that. Maybe you're just tuning in now and you missed all of this. You can find The Plumb Line at places where you go for podcasts. So if you missed it when it airs on the radio, just go to Spotify, for example, put in The Plumb Line with Jay Rudolph, and you'll be able to look up um, broadcasts about Mormonism or any other subject that we have covered. And there have been lots of different topics we've talked about from a biblical worldview. The email address to reach me is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Again, plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast? Maybe you want to share some supports because this is a listener-supported radio ministry, and you can do that when you reach out. Radio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.